0: Father, we just come to you this morning. We just want to thank you, Lord. Your word says the entrance of your word brings light. And that light dispels the darkness of ignorance and brings true knowledge that can save us and keep saving us until we are saved to the uttermost. That's your word and that's your promise to everyone who comes to you. By faith, we come to you. As we look into the Word, as praise Spirit of God, you would teach us. For there is only one teacher. For you said when the Holy Spirit comes, He will teach you all things. Teach us this morning too, Lord. And help us to receive your lessons and walk in it. Because there is life in your Word. Thank you, thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. When Jesus was teaching about, when they asked him about the last days, they asked him about the last days, it's interesting, he didn't give any solutions. He only gave the signs. Like we would expect a solution, right? He only gave the signs. The only thing he says, stand firm till the end. And he listed a whole lot of things that would happen. He talked about war, ethnic rising, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, all these things will happen. And he didn't say this is a solution for that. But he said watch out for deception. Watch out for deception. That's what will kill you. Not the rest. The rest can only take you home faster. But deception will keep you from God's home. So watch out always, because that's what is happening in the last days. The airwaves are full. Everything. Like we finally will have to come to a point like uh, that great, great man of God, Smith Bigglesworth, keep even the newspapers out of our houses, because it's full of lies. Hardly there is any news reporting anymore. Okay, it's opinions. The issue is this. When the end comes, there are three reactions. One, people will think everything is okay. Peace and safety. Because they have believed in a false message. Scripture says when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come. And it talks about the people. Jesus uses two illustrations of two judgments. Of the time of Noah and the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody was going around doing their own thing until disaster struck. And when it struck, there was nothing anybody could do, neither in Noah's generation or in the cities of of the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. It just wiped everybody out, and nobody was left behind. Everybody was taken out, and they believed in that nothing is going to happen. They believed in peace. They believed in safety. Okay. Ignorance is bliss. Until death strikes you. That's why God said, my people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. He said, not by anything else. Okay. The knowledge of how the kingdom of God functions and how it's approaching to us, like the children sang every second. Do you know what will happen if you were to suddenly come? What is your confidence? Okay. What happens? The second thing is that when these things happen, second reaction, beautifully put across by Jesus in Luke 21 and verse 26 is this. Men's hearts failing. Okay, hearts failing. Men's heart will fail. Because of fear. And that's what is one of the signs, one of the signs. What we see today, like we have never seen in human history, ever. Fear. Fear gripping the whole world. It's fear that is ruling. Okay. okay. It's FDR who said we have to fear nothing except fear itself. Okay. And I like how Peter began and set the tone for today's service. What did God say? tell Israel? Caught between the Red Sea and the Pharaoh's army, fear not. Do not fear. Stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord. Okay? Second thing is fear. It will kill you. It will kill you. You just take away your life and it will also reduce your lifespan. Fear. And even if you have a long lifespan, scripture says, it will be wrapped up in futility. Okay? Okay? The third option the Bible gives is you are confident on that day. Not ashamed. Confident on that day. That takes a lot of preparation, okay? So, today, once again, take the limits off. Don't limit God in your life, in any area. Any area, don't limit God. How do you do that? By faith and faith alone. It's one thing that pleases God. One thing that pleases, I mean you can really please God, it's by faith. Faith comes from? Hearing. God's eye is on all of you and my eye is on Ajay. Okay Ajay? 15 years old, the youngest, my eye is on you. Faith comes from? Faith comes from? And you are not hearing. So now hear. Okay? Faith comes from hearing. A lot of people hear but they don't listen. Listen. We have massive issue with listening. Let me tell you, serious issue with listening. It's 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 a discipline. It's a discipline. One of the way, if you really, really, really want to listen, you have to make a choice. I will stop listening to most other things. Our minds are on everything. And therefore we are not able to hear when God speaks. We are on fox, we are on the chicken, we are on the duck channel. No, all these are channels, by the way. Okay? Okay? Even when we were in the 20th century, we were already with the 21st century fox. Every soap operas, you can name it, claim it, And miss God's voice. Full. The world is full. And you know what happens? We actually don't hear. And even if we hear, like when you say somebody, I'm telling you honestly, this is what happens. This is what what will make the difference in your life when you work. If you're working in a company or under a boss, when the boss says something, because you haven't learned the art of listening, you miss out what he's trying to tell you. And then you end up doing half of what he asked you, and then you wonder why I'm never getting promoted. It's because you haven't learned to listen. Because your mind. minded. That's why God took his children into the wilderness. His first discipline was to teach them to listen. Shut down the voices of Egypt and teach them to listen. Because if you don't... The only thing that will save us in the last days, Jesus said eight times, if I'm right in the book of Re- Revelation, all those who have ears... Let them hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Okay. So faith comes from hearing. And faith doesn't put any limits on God. Any limits on God. It just takes the limits of God. And like God said, like I said last Sunday in Luke 5 and verse 17. Do you believe? The power of the Lord is present to heal you. Do you believe? Jesus was preaching. Scripture says he was teaching. When the word of God is being taught, do you believe the power of the Lord is present to heal? That house is packed. You will see wherever Jesus preached, the house was packed. Not because they were interested in his teaching. They were always there to see what will happen. Because they've heard when, wherever this man goes, there is miracles. But you know, most of them did not receive it. There would be some dude over there who would receive a miracle and walk away. But the power of the Lord was present to heal everybody. That's where faith comes in. That's the connection you make. We saw in Psalm 78 and verse 41. They limited the Holy One of Israel because of, primarily because again and again and again they tempted God. When do we tempt God? Because of unbelief. We really think God does not mean what He says. That's when we tempt. No children tempt their parents. Okay? Don't touch it. From the time they are crawling. Just tempting God. Again and again. They tempted God. Comes from did did you really mean no? What does no mean? No. That's the first test Adam and Eve has to pass. Did God really say? He did. Answer, over. Did God really say? He did really say no. See, we haven't even crossed the first temptation successfully yet. And they limited the Holy One of Israel. And yet, look at what God has done for the fallen man who said no, does not mean no. Isaiah 53 and verse 5 says, he was wounded for. Our transgressions, because we did not believe, know us, no. He was bruised for our iniquities. We kept on sinning until sin now empowers us. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Two things. One, the chastisement for our peace. Our peace is something our soul needs. Healing is something our body needs. So you see, on the work on the cross, he's taken care of my soul, your soul, our body, your body, and my body, both. Last week we looked at the body. This week we will look at the soul. There is complete atonement for the human soul. One of the most primary or important effects... When the devil deceives us and to go against God, we see Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 and 10. The eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked. They, They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. When we sin, there's a sense of shame. Remember? Sin, guilt, shame. But for shame, we can always make coverings. Hide it justify it. There are lots of coverings we make to avoid shame. Until the society reaches a point like Sodom and Gomorrah where the world is reaching, where we are no longer shameless. A sense of shame is also not there. It's also gone. It's gone. And it's going. Very fast it's going. Because the simple thing is that, like I was telling yesterday, they just change the laws. Change the laws. Because from the law we have knowledge of sin. That's what the Bible says. So what if the law is changed? God hasn't changed his law. Man has changed God's law. What is that section? Section 327 or 377 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that one. It's been decriminalized. So, it's no longer a crime. It's no longer a crime. Right? In US, if you look at it, assault on a police officer is no longer a crime. The prosecutors in all the cities, nobody is charged. It's no longer a crime. I mean, forget beating somebody. Beating an officer who represents the law and order was supposed to be a big crime. No problem. You can do anything. We won't charge you. The Charging has to come from the prosecutor, not from the police. Do you see how our conscience is changing? Okay. So shame is not a problem. That can be handled. But verse 10 is the issue. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid. You can be shameless, but you cannot be fearless. You can be shameless, but you cannot be fearless. Because fear does not escape anybody. If you were to honestly ask President Trump last week, were you afraid? He would say, of course I was. (laughs) I am 74 on the way to 75. BMI says I am obese and this virus strikes obese people hard. So I don't know. Of course, fear grips anybody, everybody. That's why we are all being asked to wear this. The problem about fear, it's a portal. You know what a portal is? It's a doorway through which the enemy comes. That's why God keeps repeating, they say 365 times in the Bible, one for each day, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. One, it opens the doorway for the enemy. On the other hand, the fear of the Lord, it builds a shield, a wall against the enemy. So there are two fears in the Bible. One is this fear, irrational fear, of anything, everything. And the other is the good fear, And it builds a shield, a wall. So there are two kinds of fear. We are talking about the fear that opens the doorway for the enemy. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, this is what the Bible says. Hmm. Go further. Uh, Next one. Next verse. In fear there is torment. Yeah, that is the next verse, I think. Yeah, 4, 9. No, for 18. It was not 8. Sorry, it was 18. Got it? There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. Fear involves torment. That's why children get tormented just before the exam. Much of the torment is put in their heads by the parents. We have to learn how to encourage our children to work hard, study hard without tormenting them. Okay. They have to work hard, because that's a discipline. They have to study well, that's a discipline. They have to be excellent, that's a discipline. But you don't have to get tormented. Fear involves torment. And the only way out is perfect love cast away. It is not that I have to love God perfectly, then fear. No, no, it's never going to happen. You have to put your trust in the perfect love of God for you. There's only one love that is perfect. It's God's love for us. You put your trust that way. It's just like a little baby or a little child. When they are around the parents, you know, they are not afraid. It is not that they love their parents so much. It is inbuilt trust for the parent. Inbuilt trust. They don't fear. The parent may be fearing. The child doesn't fear. It has a sense of security. That's a sense of security David talks about in the smallest psalm in the Bible. Everybody who is sleepless and fearfully made, I give them that psalm. Whenever they call me, I said, just read that psalm and go to sleep. Can I have that psalm? Which? Psalm 131? Oh, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. I don't worry about what President Xi is doing or Vladimir Putin is doing. I'm not worried about this beyond my pay grade. Okay? Surely I have calmed and quietened my soul. Like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Now the baby goes to sleep. He says, I have weaned my soul. Put your eyes on God. He loves you. Simple. Jesus loves me. This I know. Go to sleep. That's it. His eyes are on you. His thoughts towards you cannot be counted. He has engraved you in the palms of his hand. And the beloved of the Lord writes upon his shoulders. Meditate on this and go to sleep. It's as simple as that. It's an act of faith. It's an act of faith. I can't change anything tomorrow. But he's in control of my tomorrows. Therefore I will not be tormented. I will not worry. Because fear brings torment. It brings anxiety. It brings a KJV called vexed soul, vexation. It brings depression. Ultimately leads to suicide or premature death. Accidents. So many things connected with fear. Okay? When a person who walks with God to that person, God says, I have not given you the spirit of fear. So fear is a spirit. It's a spirit. If it's a spirit, you have to battle it. You have to fight it spiritually. Fear is a spirit. And this is what God says. How do you need to battle this spirit? Focus on God's love for you and Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness known be known to all men. First, rejoice. Second, be gentle. Know that the Lord is very close. Three, be anxious for nothing. Four, by in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what's the result? The peace of God. God garrisons your heart your soul is at peace. It doesn't matter. Who is writing to us this? Apostle Paul. Where is he writing to us from? A Roman dungeon. To us who are free. Okay. So there's only one antidote to fear. This love, trust for this perfect love of God. You believe what God has said? Like David said, I will worry about all these things. It's too big for me. How am I going to get the throne of Israel? The king is chasing me with three I don't want to worry about all those things. All I'm trying to see is just be sure I am three feet ahead of him when I'm running. What I do? Exercising. Why? I have to run faster than Saul. That's all I know. How I'm going to be king and all, I will leave it to God. Right now, I know only one thing, run. I had this in old, old, old friend from my 80s. He was a black belt in karate in our class, and he was really, really good. So I asked him, Virgis, when you started, when did the dojo, when you started, what did they learn, teach you first? He said, to run. I said, really? He said, the sensei said, never get into a fight you can avoid. Run first. <laughs> okay, so the first lesson got taught David was to run because you don't fight your king you don't fight those who have placed above you and anointed doesn't matter how crooked they are don't fight the wrong enemy don't do that it will not go well with you just run okay so put your trust in god put your trust in the promises of god this is the only antidote because if you fear it doesn't matter who you are all the greats in the bible all the greats in the bible Opened a doorway into their life for disaster. Unbelievable disaster by opening this portal for the enemy to come in. Look at the oldest man in the Bible. Oldest book in the Bible. Job 3.25. It's the first book in the Bible. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And what I came? He opened the door portal. God said I'm taking the hedge. That doesn't mean the devil can have access if you open the door. He opened the door. Instead of resisting the devil, he opened the door for the devil. And you know what? In one day, he lost everything. His family, his wealth, then head to toe, he struck with disease. You know why? Because he feared. He feared. Genesis to 11. The man would sell the beginning of his faith journey, he would sell his integrity. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know you are a woman of beautiful countenance. You know what is happening? They're starting this journey. The journey is long. And they this thing, and his heart, his fear is coming higher and higher and higher and higher than the wicked mind, crooked mind. Lots of plans are going on, but he doesn't have the courage to say. Finally, when they are very close to the border checkpost. He <laughs> tells Sarah, okay, please say you are my, I fear for my life. You're too cute. Why did God make you so cute? That is how people excuse their fear. To justify your fear. It's, why did God make you so cute? Genesis 26, 7. And the man of the place asked about his wife. This is Isaac. And he said, she is my sister. For he was afraid. Rebecca also was taken into another man's house. Jacob, we don't even have to say. He was a fearful man. In Genesis 32 and verse 24, Jacob was left alone. He had to battle all his fears. He had to overcome. All these years of his life, 70, 80, 90 years, we are not very sure about the date. He had been driven by fear and he cannot be made Israel until he has overcome his fear. He cannot. Your destiny, it doesn't matter what great promise God has given over you, who has spoken over you, until you battle your fears and overcome your fear, Jacob cannot become Israel. 3.30 in the morning, I text somebody, I'm not mentioning, text somebody, Said that it's your day with God. Win your battle. Exodus two and verse fourteen, the man who would lead Israel out of captivity. Then he said, "Who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you kill the Egyptian?" So Moses feared. He feared the words of the Israelites. And he feared Pharaoh. Okay, And that fear would drive him and keep him in the wilderness for the next 40 years. So if you ask Moses, how many years did fear cost you? 40 years of your life. 40 to 80, I was imprisoned by my own fears. Joshua 1.9. This is the man who will lead them into the promised land. One led them out of Egypt. The next man will... How does he begin? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and be of good courage. Do not be afraid. What does it mean? He's is petrified. He could have played the drums with his knees. That was Joshua. But you have to look at all these are fearful people. But God changed them into fearless men and women. And you know David also goofed up. He feared Saul and went into the Philistine territory. First Kings chapter 19 and verse 3. This is Elijah. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Who is this man? Who stood before this entire crowd all alone at the threat of Jezebel? Because these are spirits. Every spirit is not the same. And that's what's happening over U.S. and practically around the world. What's happening is the Jezebel spirit is rising. It is rising. What you see on one platform is Jezebel and Ahab vying for power. The weak man, the woman, the strong woman behind. She's young. She's 55 years old only. And she's ruthless. Let me tell you, she is ruthless. Riding on the shoulders of a weak man. Jezebel and Ahab is rising. If they win, Goodbye, we are in the last days. They will change the world like it has never been. Okay, so these are spirits operating. And before that spirit, what happens? Even great men of God flee. Fear comes in and they flee. Every spirit is not the same. They flee. Okay. John chapter 20, verse 19. These are the disciples who walked with Jesus for three and a half years. On the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews. You have to tackle fear. And believers have to tackle fear. There's no other way. Because remember, the overcomers, what is this line about the overcomers? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. By the word of their testimony, and they did not, what does it mean? They did not fear death. They looked in the eye of death. They were not afraid. To be an overcomer, you have to be fearless. In Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15, this is what the Bible says. How Christ overcame that fear for us. Okay, 2, verse 14 and 15. Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Did you see that? It's a fear of death that causes slavery. And that's what's happening around the world. The whole world has been told that this virus is deadly. It is not. Even in US tally only 200,000 plus died. That's how many people die of drug overdose in US every year. But they don't shut down the whole nation. Only a particular age group and up 70 plus with comorbidities only even their 94% casualty rate only. Not 94%. 94% of them come through. But they've shut the whole world down. Why? Because they want to make us fearful. And then they have to project all the scenes from Australia all the way to Washington, D.C., mounted police chasing people, finding people, arresting people in India, beating up people all around the world. You know why? To create fear. Because the devil needs fear if he needs fear our nation, a population who will listen to what he says. He rules by fear. God doesn't rule by fear. God rules by love. So people who are not afraid to face the enemy. Okay? He needs fear. So be very, very careful about what is happening. Because fear of death brings slavery. You become a slave. You ultimately serve whom you fear. Right now the world is serving something you cannot see. Its name is Corona. Nobody can see it, but you are serving it. Job 19 verse 2. Can I have? Yeah. How long will you torment my soul and break me in pieces with words? Can I have KJV also? How long will you torment my soul? Wax my soul with into pieces with words. That's why we are talking about words. The words we are talking about is not about misplaced words. The words that we hear day and night is harsh words designed to cause fear. And people's souls are in pieces. And these three friends who are not friends are coming and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. And what what the Bible say? What does God say? How long will you wax my soul and break me in pieces with the words? And that's what the media is doing around the world. Constantly using words and words and words to what? Not to strengthen people, strengthen people to make them bold. Yes, there is a danger, but you don't have to like he said when he came out of the hospital. We don't have to let the virus dominate us. We need to dominate the virus. If you are fearful, the virus will dominate you. It will dominate you. It will control your moving, your movements, your everything. It will control. Take precautions, but go on with life. Don't give room to the enemy. Otherwise, it will. And he is saying, this is what words do. This is what hard words do. This is what harsh words do. It creates, it is intimidation. Words are used. To intimidate. And what we read. What we see. What we hear. Okay. Words, words, words. We don't realize what it can do. Look at Judges 16, 16. It came to pass when she pestered him daily. with Which which word? Yeah. Daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Who is this? Delilah. The Samson and Delilah, the most anointed man of his generation. And this is a woman, a Gentile woman, a picture of a man of God and the world pestering with words until he was vexed to what? His soul was vexed to what? Death, literally. He gave into words and opened the doorway to his destruction. That's what fear does. Waxed by words. And he will lose his way and lose his life. He will succumb ultimately and open a door which will ultimately lead to his death. We will see this consistently in the word of God. In all the history of Israel you will see Gentile leaders, Gentile kings, leaders will come. Goliath will come. It is with words he intimidates. And all these kings, whether it is Jehoshaphat ruling or other kings, these Gentile kings will set such letters. And usually they buckle under the pressure, open their treasury and give them everything they want. For the enemy to steal. And that's what the devil has done with the church. He intimidates with words and with fear. And what do we do? We give away all our righteousness. Our treasures of the kingdom, we give it away. We never use it. Because we are too afraid. Let me tell you, honestly, let me ask you. Forget the pandemic. So let's look at 2019. In 2019, how many of you honestly, without fear, witnessed to somebody? You know why? Because you've been intimidated. Yesterday, we had a Q&A, and there was a question from a particular state. A girl who was sold for sex slavery, rescued by somebody I know was rescued and was in that home. She got saved and she's gung-ho about Christ. She's going from church to church to church to church in the city. Nobody's willing to baptize her because they're so scared to baptize somebody who's come from another faith, rescued from the brothel, found Jesus Christ, wants desperately get baptized. Nobody wants even to baptize her. That's what fear does. That's one of the reasons why I tell pastors, when you send these forwards, pastor beaten, head cut off, this way, don't send those things off. How does it edify the church? It only creates even more fear. Don't send all these pictures. Just pray and leave it alone. If you died for the Lord, he's a martyr. He's victorious. He's not defeated. But the people who are watching and seeing this, they all get frightened. Ayo, church broken down. Ayo, church attacked. Ayo, church burned. This is nothing new, Peter says. It's been happening for 2000 years. Take it in your stride and keep on preaching. That's what John MacArthur said. He said he got a threat that he could go to jail for six months. He said, I was very excited because I was reminded of my hero after Jesus about Paul. Every city he goes, he looks for the jail. That's the only experience I haven't had yet. And he's 84, 84, 81 years old. You have to confront fear with the facts of God's word. You can't give in to fear because that's the whole thing they want. It is intimidation. It will cause more and more and more fear. And you know what? Why Christians are not reacting? Christian nations are not reacting. It's because literally, like I said yesterday again, I'll tell you, people have been emasculated with the LGBTQ crowd. Once you go into that, what happened, if you look at what's happening is like, if you look in the Western world, or any world, if you look at it, men are behaving like women, and women are behaving like men now. You have been emasculated. And men were always called to be courageous and bold and face danger. that's gone. They don't. They don't. And you know what happens? The first LGBTQ crowd. I call it the LGBT crowd. Was in the wilderness. Let us go back to Egypt. LGBT e crowd. Okay. This is what fear does. This is what fear does. What fear does is that you are willing to go back to those forces who enslaved you for a lifetime. That's what fear does. Where are you going back? To Egypt. And do what? Be slaves again. This is what the devil does. And what is God promising? Fight and overcome. No, we will go back and be slaves again. This is what fear does. So all your successes mean nothing. Nothing. If you are not free inside. Real freedom is inside, not outside. You can be the richest man and then commit suicide. How many rich people and celebrities, you must ask, why are they all committing suicide? Why are they always on, on drugs? Why? Look at the most successful man ever recorded in history. KJV we shall have. Ecclesiastic 211. 211. 211. Got it? I looked at all the works that my hands had wrought and all the labor that had labored to do and behold, all was vanity and I'm just tormented by my own success. Because inside it is absolutely empty. If he truly was not the son of David, this man would have committed suicide because of his success and emptiness inside. Outside you look, everything he touches is successful. Everything. Inside he says, Empty as Joe Biden's basement. Empty. Absolutely empty. He would have committed suicide. You know what he says at the end of an incredible, let's put in our pattern, incredibly successful career, there's no profit under the sun. No profit. Successful people without God are prisoners of their own success. They just die and go to hell. They are tormented. Without God, you are tormented. That's why Jesus told that rich man, you fool. You fool. Do you know where you are going? Who is a fool? Who thinks there is no God? Verse 16. For there is no remembrance of the wise more than the fool forever. Seeing that which is now is in the days to come shall be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man? Ask the fool. So what difference does it make? If you are a PhD or you are class 5 fail? If you do not know God, you die the same way and go into eternity without God. It, it's irrelevant. The wise man and the fool dies the same way. His soul is empty. He has not known Christ. The only one who can bring peace to your soul. That's why we need to do a soul check today. Do you really have peace? Are you angry? You are bitter, bitter, jealous, full of wrath? Because these are all symptoms of soul sickness. So it does not matter. These things don't matter. Ultimately matters is what is the status of your soul. Not your body. The status of your soul. Verse seventeen. Therefore, yeah, yeah. Verse. I hate it. Isn't that what you always hear? I hate my life. I hate my life. Who is this? Solomon. This is no ordinary man. The world considers him the wisest, the richest, and the most powerful king of Israel. What does he say? Is, I hate my life. Hate my life. And that's what you hear from people. I hate my home. I hate my workplace. I hate my school. Sounds like Solomon. I hate math. I hate Telugu. Because these are all English pundits here. All our children in school and college, all are English pundits. And when they finish classroom, they take French. Proverbs eighteen fourteen. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? See, if you are sick, if you are sick, if your spirit is strong, you will you will bounce back. You will bounce back. But if your spirit is sick, your body takes a long time to recover. Body takes a long time to recover. Ecclesiastes 6, 6, 9. Let's continue in KJV. Yeah, 6, nine. Better it's a sight of eyes than the wandering of desire. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. What is this wandering of desire? In today's psychological terms, it is called addiction. Addiction only leads to vexation of the spirit. Ultimately, whatever addiction is, it is, it does not matter. It can be from chips to Cokes to cocaine. It does not matter. Three C's. No, it leads to vexation because it never, if you're addicted to something, if you're addicted to something, this is the key, you will know. It never satisfies you. You always want more. You always want. But if you're not addicted, it satisfies you. It can be off it for days, weeks, months. It doesn't bother you at all. But if you are addicted, it does not satisfy you. You are addicted. Anything. From sports to sex. It's an addiction. And at the end of the day, what does it leave you? Does not matter even if your favorite team won or lost. After the high is over, you realize you are empty inside. Because God will not allow these things to satisfy your soul. It's just showing you you are an addict. You need deliverance. Just, you need deliverance. Problem is, ultimately all these things will affect the body. Matthew 8, verses 5 to 6. Let's continue in KJV today. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. We always look at the term paralyzed and we forget the state of his soul. He's tormented inside. You can have sickness without torment. You can have sickness with torment. He's tormented mentally. That's why I said more deadly than the disease is what it does to your soul. If you do not walk with God. That's what David will say. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. Everybody is walking through the valley of shadow of death. Anybody knows when you will die? No. So everybody is walking through the valley of shadow of death. But he says, I will fear no evil. When I die, I will die. Because my purpose is over and I am going home. But I will not fear evil. Because if I fear evil, your life is always tormented. And if you are not tormented, imagine. It's only ignorance. Ignorance is bliss until the day you die. Like the rich man and Lazarus, he wakes up at the wrong place. He had a great funeral on earth. And everybody in his cottage also shouted, rich man, Amar Rahe. They had no clue where he reached. flames are red, he got a LAL salam. Please understand these realities. Yes, there is humor, but this is the reality of what a lot of people will wake up an instant after death. And there is torment in fear. God has come to rescue us from fear and the fear of death. Because everything is ultimately connected to that. Luke 16 and verse 24. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this. Tormented in this? So the torment you face on earth is just a foretaste of what will happen in hell if you don't repent and believe. God says, I'll give you a little foretaste of what hell is like. You're going through it inside? One day it will be inside and outside. Just giving you a foretaste of what it is. On that day I will take my limits off of how much you can experience hell. Right now I'm putting a limit on it. You're tormented inside. You're tormented inside. It's just a foretaste of what your soul will go through and what your body will go through. Luke 6, verse 17. He came down with them and stood in the plain, the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea, Jerusalem, from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases and that and they that were vexed with unclean spirits. There were a lot of people who were afflicted in the body and a lot of others not only afflicted in the body, but they were tormented by unclean spirits. Okay. Do you consider anger clean or unclean? Unclean. Wrath? Bitterness? See, whenever people think about unclean in the spirit, they only think about one category. No. Jealousy? Hatred? Unclean. Tormented by unclean spirits. In Matthew 18 verses 30 to 35. Because this is what fear will open the portal and suddenly you are being tormented. You are being afflicted. You are not able to sleep. Sleepless nights turning over, back and forth, gritting your teeth. Angry. Miserable. Miserable. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said, Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee of thy debt because thou desirest me. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, meaning angry, mad at him, and delivered him to the tormentors. What does it mean? He says, I showed you compassion, and I forgave you your debt. How come you didn't show compassion? How come you did not forgive? God says you know what unforgiving people will be tormented when they are living on earth because who are all the ones in heaven in hell those who are did not receive god's so he just feel a little of it on earth that's you how you will be tormented basically what your enemy occupies your mind he has no clue but your mind is occupied by your Enemies. Classic picture. 1st Samuel chapter 18, 9 to 12. It's not his enemy, but he thinks he's an enemy. Actually, he's his most loyal soldier. Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it came to pass on the morrow, that's the next day, the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. What does it mean? Every spirit that moves can only move if God allows. Even evil spirit needs permission to touch a child of God. The child of God opens the doorway through unforgiveness, through fear, different portals they open. It came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. The gift is working. Man is reprobate. Man has been destined for help, but the gift is still working. Think about it. The gift of God is working in this man. Though the man is on the way to hell and the evil spirit is attacking him. And where does he sit? And David played with his hand. As at other times, there was a javelin in. Think about it. How is the king sitting on his throne? With a spear in his... Why should he sit on your throne with a spear in your hand? Because it's a picture of an angry, bitter man. Jealous man. He looks at his friend as his enemy and wants to kill him. This time, David is playing the harp. But the anointing is not working. The beginning of your affliction... Sometimes in the beginning of afflictions, the prayers of anointed people worked on you, but you did not walk in your deliverance. Now the point has come, the same anointed man who is increased in his anointing, he is playing the music for you. It's not working on you. So don't blame the anointing. Don't blame the anointing. It's not working for you. What has happened? And as other times there was a javelin in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the javelin for he said, I will smite. David. Now you are angry at Jesus. You are angry at his servants. Who are the ones God uses to bring you deliverance? You see the pattern? The devil takes you. Verse 23. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, First Samuel 16, verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Don't take torment lightly. That's why I put Psalm 131, though it was not there in the beginning. In the there, that's how your inside should be at peace. Short accounts, clear accounts with God. You are at peace. You are not worried about 190 problems you have. You know God is in control, and you are at rest inside. You are at rest inside. Because that's what he promises. He said, labor to enter into my rest. And not like them who fell away. Fell away. Did Saul deal with his torment? Fear? No. He chased David out of the land. A lot of people chase. Or rather the Holy Spirit withdraws out of their lives. He goes away. And how is his end? End. First Samuel 31.4. The end of this man, who didn't deal as God was trying to show, did not deal. The end of so many people in this year. And Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword, thrust me through it, lest this uncircumcised men come and thrust me through an abuse. But his armor-bearer would not, therefore he was greatly afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it. What did he do? Committed suicide. Isn't that what we hear? People finally pull the plug. He says, I can't handle it anymore. And they kill themselves. That's all. It's a classic case. Classic case. And we think it's very simple. To us, it's a very simple thing. The master being jealous of his servant. And angry with his servant. Because you do something better than me. That's all. Think about it. Anybody can caught if you're a manager in a company and you have somebody in your team, the person in the team does something better than you and you are jealous. And after that you are trying to push him down push him down, get him out of the company. Simple. See, we have to look at and apply it to our own lives, how it happens. That's where it began. Where did it end? Depression? Suicide. That's why you have to ask this question. Why is it that suicide is so high, depression is so high among the young, the old, the poor or the rich? So don't look at these things and think this will take care of itself. I always say it is very easy to treat a disease when at the beginning. When you know something is happening, if you treat it in the beginning, it's much easier. Sometimes you don't even need a full course of antibiotics. But if you delay it, 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 and then it becomes surgery, then it becomes... Chemo, then it becomes just using imagery. spiritually also true. Deal with these things. The problem is the spirit of God leaves us. Our goose is cooked, not baked, cooked. You're done. Nobody can save you. You're done. And that's what anything does. Ezekiel 16, verse 49. That's why we said about all these things we have to look. You could be addicted to anything. It's irrelevant. Are you addicted or are you free? Who has control over it? You or the substance? Netflix or you? Can you flick Netflix away? Or you are glued to it. Amazon, Prime, whatever junk it is. Whatever it is. Look at this. This was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride. What does pride stop you from? It stops you, Pride stops you from coming to God. The first thing, pride stops you from asking for help. That's the thing. What pride does? We don't. I am not proud. That's not the question. If you are in trouble, do you ask for help? You know you're in trouble. You know you can't handle this. Do you ask for help? That is the question. Do you ask for help? Or do you don't? I, I will handle it my on my own. I can handle it on my own. First thing is, pride comes in. You have to look at the symptoms of pride to understand whether I am in the same boat, am I on that journey where ultimately a day will come like God says, in that hour of trouble you will cry out to me and I will look at you and laugh. I will laugh. He says, read the book of Proverbs. He says, I'll laugh at you. In your day of calamity. Because I was trying all this year's Saul, to touch you. Tell you, turn back, turn back. From the beginning, I was trying to turn back. When your sin was so small. When your disease was just a small infection. I was trying to turn it, turn it, turn it, turn You wouldn't listen. You wouldn't listen. You know? And, oh, when you have pride and you have a problem, you have a problem. Where is it manifested? Had pride? What is the next word? Fullness of eating disorder. Eating disorder is constantly, almost 100% a result of depression. You have something in your soul which is not diagnosed or you are not open about it. You are depressed, you are tormented and the way out is eating. Fullness of bread. Fullness of bread. It's an eating disorder. We are using today's terms so that we understand old English. And third, abundance of idleness. You can just sit and do nothing. It's not that you do nothing. You start using that time For things you should not use it for. That's what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. You look at the look at the train. This is put as an example of an individual case. Let's talk about two cities. You would not ask for help. You went into eating disorder. You're moving into perversion. And you now what has happened? Your entire focus is satisfying your self. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Why? You're always self-centered. Therefore, you are not able to see. See, I'm not picking on people even in the church office or here or not. What I'm trying to teach people is, watch. One of the best things is, that's what God will ask Jeremiah. What do you see? And he's trying to teach Jonah. What do you see? I see a people who should be destroyed. God says, I see 120 who do not know their left and from their right hand. How do you see? What do you see? Did you see? This was the first thing I noticed for two Sundays is there is a gap here. Did you see? Do you know when you look at the whole thing, there is a discord, a little thing off? See in your life. See in the rooms you stay. Like we said in the church church office, when you mop your room, if I were you, I will check the corners. And don't avoid the corners of your life. See, we miss a lot at the corners. Yet every traffic sign will say, at the turning, be careful. In life too. We become self-centered. When you focus me, mine and myself, then you don't see. And you don't realize, you are hurtling towards judgment. Now your whole life is about you. And you don't even realize... The devil has set you up. And God is wants to rescue you. Wants to rescue you. God does not want to destroy you. He makes it. He says, I don't like seeing the destruction of the sinners. I don't like judging. He does these things which he doesn't like. So you have to look at all these things. Do a soul check. How is my soul? Do I still hear from God? Does the Holy Spirit speak to me? See, the Holy Spirit will do things. One, he will show something and says, put it right. Second thing, he will say, focus outside. Don't look at yourself. If you look at yourself, you will never move to your next stage. You will never move to your next stage. Impossible to move to the next stage with God if you look at yourself. You have to look out. Your brothers are at Shechem. Will you go? Here I am. He's looking outward at hostile company. Ten brothers who don't even talk to him and hate him. He's not looking inward. if I go, what will happen to me? They don't like me. Shechem is the place where my brothers killed the whole city. He's not looking at him. He's looking outward. He does not know he's on the road to his promotion. He's sold as a slave. A man buys him. He's not looking at him how to escape work. He's looking, how can I make my master prosper? What do you get out of it? Aren't you a slave? It does not matter. I am looking out. He has bought me. I owe it to him to see that he prospers. And God puts him in prison. In prison, he is looking out and the warden puts everything in his charge. Two people end up in the prison. They have dreams. They are depressed. This guy is not depressed at all, though he is the only innocent man in the entire world. He looks out and he says, why is your face downcast? Is looking out. Therefore God is able to move him up. This is what it does. This is what it means. She did not strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. You did not look out and see the needs of others. You only saw your needs. There are no shortcuts. God's ways never change. It is consistent from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It is consistent. And we have to look at those and say, Lord, you know what, Lord? Help me, Lord, to change. Help me. Look around. Like I tell the little ones, even Ajay. Little ones around. No, just look, what is that I can do? What is that I can do? What is that I can do? Right? If Joe Biden wins, he'll be the second Catholic to become the president of U.S. The first one was John, John F. Kennedy. And this is what Kennedy said. His most famous quoted line is this. Do not look at what your country can do for you. Look at what you can, ask what you can do for your country. Kennedy is dead and gone. But that one line remains in the memory of humanity. You know what? Because it tallies with scripture. Roosevelt is gone. It's dead and gone. You do not have to fear anything other than fear itself. Tackle your fear. Why does it remain in human memory? Because it tallies with an eternal truth. That's what you need to ask. Otherwise you make a prisoner of yourself. We all want appreciation alone. Yes, we need to be appreciated. But can you function if you are not appreciated? Can you function? That rich master in that parable in Luke 19, he went away for a long time. He never came back. After a long meaning, three people were called, all were given one minor each. He did not check. He did not send notes of appreciation. He did not tell them how much I care for you. He didn't say anything. At the end, he called them and showed me what you did. And then only he appreciated them. And two of them, without the master's eye, and without one word of encouragement, was faithful in little things. Yesterday we had a question, the difference between obedience and faithfulness. Can you be? Can you be? These are all attitudes of the soul. Soul. And people do not realize people are prisoners. They have made themselves prisoners. And everything matters. Everything matters. You train yourself. You train your soul. You speak to your soul. And tell your soul, if the idea that you are receiving in the soul is not true, I am still the boss. I will speak to my soul. It is incredible. How did David keep speaking to his soul? I have received the truth of God's word. And I'm going to speak it to you and say, you shut up and listen to what the word of God is telling you. And reorient your soul. So what's the solution? We need solution, right? 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Deal. Look this, yeah. For this purpose. He who sins of the devil, for the devil has sin. Okay. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Why was Jesus manifested? Why does God want to manifest Jesus in us to destroy the works of the devil in us? The fear, the vexation, the anxiety, the depression, the discouragement. All that. All that. If you are depressed, how will you help somebody? If you are discouraged, what? how can you be a blessing? Be smart. Deal early as soon as you see the symptoms. Don't let your wound fester. Humble yourself and ask for help. Go to God because grace is given to the humble through a man, a woman or directly by God. Second thing, know this. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful. We acknowledge our fears before God. David acknowledged. Acknowledged everything before God. And he is faithful. Always bank on his faithfulness. Third. Mark chapter 2 Again he entered into Capernaum after some days it was noise that he was in the house straight away many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them not so much as about the door he preached the word unto them and they come to him bringing one sick of palsy that is he is paralyzed which was born for, carried by four when they could not come nigh to him for the press the crowd they uncovered the roof where he was and when they had broken it up they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay and when jesus saw their faith he said unto the sick of the palsy son your sins are forgiven do you know why he was in bed do you know why he is tormented in his soul because he had sinned and you needs forgiveness for your sins The question is, what if you do not have anybody to carry you to Jesus in prayer? What if you never make humble yourself and make known your issue? You have nobody to stand in the gap and carry you to Christ. This man got healed today because four men carried him. That's why I said even if the word be cut down by one day, the prayer will not. Because the amount of prayer requests we get from around the world... And people tune in. They are tuning in. Everywhere they are tuning in. Why? Because they are looking for somebody who would carry their burden to God and you don't even know who they are. What if nobody was there to carry him? You will die in your sickbed. John 5 verse 3 Verse 5 and 6. Okay, in this crowd, this whole crowd of sick people. 5 and 6. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. So it does not matter how long you have been infirm. It does not matter how long you have been tormented. Jesus can set you free. Sometimes we look at the length of the disease and say it is too hard. My case it cannot be handled. Why? 38 years. 38 years. Jesus says no. 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 It does not matter to Jesus how long you've been in this condition. The question is this, what he asks. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be really free? That's the question he says. Do you really want to be free? Lord, I really don't want to be free. I want to be free from the consequences. Can I please drink alcohol and not get a high? No. Please Lord. Can I, can I drink the whole night and then go and go home like this instead of all fours? See, this is a question here. A lot of people are not delivered because they don't want to be delivered. They want to be delivered from the consequences. It's like the ancient story of the Indian king who loved Khir. You know, Khir, paisam, sweet. So finally he's full. So what is he doing? He's lying down, reclining. Those days also they had recliners. Okay? With his mouth open. And two servants, one is pouring kheer, the other is taking it out. Only thing he wants is the taste. Because his stomach cannot handle anymore. That's what basically people say, Lord, I want to be healed. Don't make me whole. Because once you are made whole, you are delivered from it. Heal me from the consequences, but please, Lord, can I continue? The question is, do you want to be healed? No, do you want to be made whole? If you want to be made whole, scripture says, get up. Make a decision today. Get up. Stand up. Make a firm decision. Stand up. Get up. Stop making excuses. Pick up your mat. Take responsibility for your own life. Stop blaming others. You are where you are because of you yourself. Because I am there for you and I told you, child of God, if God is for you, who can be against you? So stop blaming others. I am not a respecter of persons. That is precisely the reason all through scriptures, all the people I've picked were actually failures and I made them tremendous success to prove to the world it doesn't matter who you are. Will you stand up, take responsibility for your life and walk at my word? Because the power of the Lord is always there to heal. Always, even here today even online i like when i'm preaching online one thing i like about that and i connected it with scripture The scripture says when peter was walking they brought the sick and laid them on the pavement on the roads so that his shadow would fall and they would get healed and my question is how does anointing rest on a shadow if anointing can rest on a shadow anointing can rest online also So God already had decided on online anointing by putting anointing on Peter's shadow because both are non-material. Because we think we need to be present. That's not what God said. God said, I sent forth my word and healed you of your infirmities. Send forth my word. My word is enough. Somewhere, and it has not, it's not bound by time. Don't limit it. Oh, pastor, priest, on October 11th, I am hearing it on November 20th. Anointing has no time limit. Anointing has no time limit. The word of God has no time limit. This man is limited by, but the word of God in this man is not limited. Unless you put a limit. You put a limit. Matthew 9 and verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. That's why I said, you need to understand, know God. Grow in grace and in knowledge of. As a child of God, you have to always think. It doesn't matter who you are as a child of God. When he looks down at you, he looks at you with compassion. He's a compassionate God. Yesterday I had a Zoom Zoom meeting with Nepal, with the churches in Kathmandu. So I was telling them, remember no, no, Jesus is on the road to Nayan, the town called, little town called Nayan. And he's in the disciples, one crowd is going, another crowd is going, two different crowds. One crowd with him, Prince of Life. Another crowd, a dead body is being taken, a widow's only son has died. There is a sudden encounter. Jesus stops the funeral procession. Nobody asked him anything. Nobody did anything. He just raised the young man from, from his deathbed and restored him and he walked away. You know why he did it? Compassion. He had compassion on that widow. You know, a lot of things, or most of the things we receive in life is not because we asked, because he has compassion on us. Let me ask you all the mothers here, your babies, which are small and growing, you think you do things for the baby because the baby asks the mother looks at the baby and she has compassion and that's exactly the illustration God used I looked at Israel I had compassion on them what are they (laughs) they are sheep having no shepherd I mean we say bichare God says bichare more than all of us he looks down and says bichare 1414 And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them. One healed the sick, other case, earlier case, he fed them. You have to learn how to plead to God according to his nature. Learn tricks how to pray. Lord have compassion. You look at David's prayers. He was a smart man. He was an incredible, not Solomon. This guy was a genuinely smart man who understood God. Who would actually encourage himself in the Lord when he have goofed up for 16 months straight? Not 16 times, 16 months straight. Now he's all alone, everybody's hand is again. And he's saying, Lord, I know I goofed up, but I know you're compassionate. I know you're merciful. I know you're long-suffering. What can God do? There's one boy there who knows me. And God is not even telling him, I have forgiven you. Okay, forgive you. He says, pursue, overtake, recover. He goes much beyond that we can think or even imagine. We are looking for forgiveness. God is saying, I want you to succeed. We are asking, Lord, will you forgive me of my failures? He says, forget it. i have forgiven. Now you run and finish your race. Don't you know who I am? I'm your Father. James chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Yeah. Okay. First thing, we're looking at the sickness of the body last week, if you're still sick in the body, or the sickness of the soul. If anyone among you is sick, acknowledge. Okay? First step of coming out is you have to acknowledge you have a sickness. Paracetamol does not help. It only takes the pain away. It does not deal with the sickness. Ultimately, the sickness will come to a point. Paracetamol or crossin or Tylenol will not handle it. Okay? Acknowledge you are sick. If you are angry, acknowledge you are an angry person. If you struggle with jealousy, acknowledge you struggle with jealousy. If you're a bitter person, acknowledge you are. Because if you don't acknowledge, you will not call. If you're an addiction, acknowledge before God, this is who I am. That's the first step to deliverance. Acknowledge. Everyone who came to Jesus, he healed them. So they had to acknowledge, I am sick. Either they came or they were brought. It began by a step of acknowledging. Acknowledge. Acknowledge I have ADD when it comes to scripture. I have an attention deficit. Lord, I am able to listen to everything, but I am not able to listen to your words. So I have a serious issue there. It's a spiritual issue. Because if it is not a spiritual issue, then I don't like listening to anything. It's not true. I need divine intervention. I need divine intervention, Lord. Because success eternal is connected with the word of God. Call. Acknowledge. Call. The question is, will you call? Will you call? Is anyone among you sick? What does the Bible say? Let him call. Let her call. You have to call. The elder won't call. Elder like me, even if he knows, will not call. Because then I have to struggle. Because when you call, you are actually making a step of faith. The Bible says, let him. The Bible does not say, let him keep on calling. Some people have been making the same call for the past six years. Now forget the sickness. We have to rebuke your unbelief. You have to call. It has to happen. Work on your faith. Matthew 9, verse 22. Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you whole. You know, Jesus is the the most incredibly honest man who ever walks on earth. He does not take credit for a miracle which he did not do. (laughs) If it had been you or me will say, Mike Lekraja camera either, either, come on, sister, give your testimony. How when you touch my garment, do you see when my garment is so anointed? Nothing. You know, all these TV scammers. You no, know? Look at Jesus. He said, child, I had nothing to do with this. I didn't even know you touched me. But there is somebody who watches for everyone who moves by faith. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. So if anyone sick, let him call. What are you doing? You are activating, making a step of faith. Based on scripture. God said. And I will act on faith. Next verse 28-29. When he had come into the house. The blind man came to him. And Jesus said to them. Do you believe that I am able to do this? He just wants to know. Whether they are serious or not. Because now whenever he's is going on the road. Everybody is screaming. David son of David have mercy mercy. He thought maybe let's see. Two people also shouted. Maybe they are just echoing somebody's shout. That happens No. Hallelujah, the fellow look, everybody's lifting my hand. Let me also put my hand up. So he's saying, Are you serious? So what did he do? He went from the street into somebody's house, and these two guys followed him in. Then he realized, okay, you're serious? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe? They said, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and did not say, Be healed! He did not say. He said, Let it be according to your faith. You said you believe, right? Say so you believe, right? Let it be according to your faith. Now he is not an escapist. Jesus can heal anybody. Many of us would try this thing. Say let it be according to faith, meaning if you don't get healed, don't question me. <laughs> this is not. This is not an escapist. He is actually saying that if you really believe, it will happen. Do you believe? Second thing, call whom. Let him call the elder, not the older, the elder. Elder is not a title. It's not a title. It is an office. And we have to see, do I fit into that office? First Timothy chapter 3, 9 and 10 and then 13. Who are the elders? How do you qualify in God's sight, not committee's sight? There are committees who create elders, and there is God who anoints elders. What is that? He should hold the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. He's a man of faith. He's a man of faith. He doesn't understand how faith works. It's a mystery. How can you touch somebody's by faith and get healed? How can you believe God created all these things? How can you believe it's faith? Faith is a mystery. But he is somebody who holds the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. You don't have to teach him about faith. He's a man of faith. That's the kind of man when he prays, you get healed. God. And let these also first be tested. They have to be tested. They have to be tested. God will test in heaven and we get tested on earth. Can you be tested? Can your doctrine be tested? Are you consistent in what you believe? Are you consistent? Or Monday one doctrine, Tuesday another one, Thursday you contradict both? Have you been tested? In your doctrine? In your walk of faith, have you been tested? Are you consistent in your walk with God? Doesn't matter what the devil throws at you. Do you get up and continue walking with God? Are you tested? God says that's an elder. Verse 13. 13. For those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in what? In faith. Their faith is bold. The faith is bold. They are not afraid to tackle the devil. They're not afraid. They have a history of faith in their life. That's an elder. Bible says, "Call an elder." They are men of tested faith. let's go back there 14 james 5:14 quick let him call for the elders of the church and let them what do they should do pray not chat a lot of people call elders and they chat how are you do? what did you call me for You should be absolutely to the point like the people address Jesus. If you call me and you are sick, just say, Pastor, I am sick. Don't ask me how I am. I am good. You did not call to ask about my will. You don't have to be polite and that way. Don't try to be politically correct because you have very little time. Pastor, I am sick. Will you pray for me? Done. Not to chat. Call him to pray. Now everything is online. Or on the phone. But the elder comes home. Anoint him with what? Oil? Don't think it's his prayer. Or the oil that heals you. How does he anoint? In the name of the Lord. First remember the name of the Lord. Third. It's the prayer of faith. So there is prayer, faith on both ends. He calls by faith, and he prays by faith. The oil is just a symbol. A visible symbol. And God says, it works. It works. Where it's for your soul, where it's for your body. And what does the Bible say? And the Lord will raise him up. Don't say, Benihin, raise me up. No, the Lord will raise him up. It's God who raises. Nobody can raise. The Lord will raise me up. Ultimately, what does it mean? Sovereignty rests with God. That is all a man of faith can do. He can be the man of faith. And Jesus was a man of faith. But in Nazareth, he couldn't do anything. Hardly anything. Because sovereignty is with God. God, his father, is not raising up anybody. It's not healing anybody. You know why? God says, I'm not. I'm not going to reward their unbelief. And their familiarity. Familiarity blocks you. You need to realize. Why couldn't Jesus heal anybody in Nazareth? One unbelief second. Isn't this the carpenter? they got too familiar. And it blocks from believing and receiving the anointing. And then, If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Again, you have to see God comes over and over to that one thing. Unforgiveness blocks. That's the last thing people want to hear. You look through the Bible and you'll see in many situations, Jesus won't say be healed. He says your sins are forgiven. Sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. What does it mean? Unforgiveness will ultimately make you sick in the body and in the soul. Even if you're okay in the body, you will be tormented in your soul. Luke six seventeen and nine eighteen. And he came down with them, stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples, a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. Unclean. These spirits cause addictions. We call them Nephilim. We call them Nephilim spirits. Personally, I believe these are the spirits of the people who died in Noah's judgment. They were a strange creatures who were a result of fallen angels and daughters of men. So it was a strange mixture. These angels, the rest of fallen angels, the rest of them are all still free wandering around. These ones who did not keep their proper estate, Jude says, have been imprisoned. They are not loosed because they did not keep their proper estate as Angel and humans. So they lived among humans. They had this this breed of people. That's why God destroyed that whole generation. They went into all kind of stuff. So when they died, they are disembodied spirits. But they know what a human lust is. They know what gluttony is. They know what sex is. They know what drunkenness is. They know what drugs is. They know everything that... Human body experiences. So they are looking for human bodies to inhabit, to enjoy vicariously our lust through our bodies. Unclean spirits. Now as days, all kinds of people were there. So fear, anger, these things all opens portals for them to come into you. And they look through you. And you have these flashes. One day you are calm, next day you are angry. One day you are so sweet, next day you are bitter. One is you, the other is the other manifesting through you. Jesus said, I have come to set the captives free. That's why Jesus cast out demons. Mark 16, this is the first thing he says. These signs will follow those who believe me in my name. I will cast out you will cast out demons. You can do it yourself. You can call first, but after that you can cast. Everything that is not of God, leave in Jesus' name. And I will promise you, try it on your own as a practice. As soon as you really seriously start doing it, you start yawning. You don't know where the yawn came from because they are leaving, because they are spirits. Try it. Or your eyes will water. Try it. Should I go and try it? What does it say? In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. God gives you the Holy Spirit intervention through that tongues to handle the spiritual entity. Because this is done by the Spirit of God. In the next verse, they will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. What does it mean? What does it really mean? It means when you are doing this with somebody, you are being protected. What is on him or her is deadly. This is a spirit. It's an unclean spirit. It's a tormenting spirit. It will not jump on you. Be sure. It will not jump on you. Be sure. You are under that name. You are working under that. Nothing jumped on Jesus. Nothing jumped on Peter. Nothing jumped on John. Nothing jumped on Paul. You know why? Because they were standing on this. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions. They, they shall by no means harm you. You shall handle snakes. Where are the snakes? In that person. The demonic entities. And they are poisonous. They have addictions that if they jump on you, it will kill you. Ultimately. You will, you will not be harmed. It will not harm you. Will not harm you. But be careful. <clears throat> Operate in faith. Operate in faith. Walk in faith. Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> Operate in faith. Walk in faith. Therefore, having been, first thing what faith does is declares you righteous. Second thing it does. It gives you access to the unlimited power of God. By faith, we stand now in the grace of God. That's the unlimited power of God. Faith calls you righteous, causes you to be righteous before God. Second, it gives you, because we are not talking about healing alone. We are talking about walking in health. We are not talking about deliverance alone. We are talking about walking in your deliverance. So you are declared righteous. Demons are cast out. You've been Delivered, you have to walk in it by faith. You know what happens? Malachi 4.2. When you walk in faith, you walk in righteousness. But to you who fear my name. In my name. So do you understand why Jesus said, this is how you need to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be. He says, revel my name. Fear my name hallow my name because this is what happens to who really hallow my name and walk in reverence before me the son of righteousness shall arise with what and you know what he says in your spirit you're getting stronger and stronger and strong body will ultimately Is it's irrelevant don't worry about the body don't worry about the body you have to look at the soul how is your soul what is this soul check is the son of righteousness with healing under his wings rising over your soul? Are you aging like Jacob? Are you aging like Isaac? Isaac aged badly. Goofed up. Jacob as he grew older and older and older and older he is able to see. He goes far beyond Abraham, Isaac and even his own son Joseph. He's is able to see. You know why? Because the son of righteousness is rising with healing under his wings, even till the last day of his life. He's ill, he's bedridden, he's blind, but on his last day, he doesn't prophesy lying down. He rises up, he prophesies, lies down and dies. God gives him that dignity to prophesy his last words sitting up. But he sees the history of his generations all the way till the Revelation, book of Revelation. All the way till the book of Revelation. He sees the history of Israel. That's how you should age. That is what happens when the son of righteousness rises over you with healing under his wings. In Proverbs 18.10 Those who rever my name and the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous run into it and I put these two verses together. The righteous Run into his name and they are safe. And those who rever his name, the son of righteousness, rises with healing under his wings. This is how you believe. Look at the promises of God. Side by side, Rever his name. Walk in his righteousness. Walk in faith. And God says you will be safe. As we close Isaiah 53 and verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. We have to go back. Why do we go back to this? Your healing, my healing for our body and soul is free. Because he paid the price. Do I deserve it? Nobody does. It's free. Can I fast for it? No. You don't have to. It's free. It is free. He paid for it. He paid for it. It's paid in full. Not even half. It's not installments. When he said it is finished, he says it's paid in full. The actual Greek word is? What does it mean? Paid in full. (laughs) Do you know, even before any one of us fell sick, The hospital fees were paid. Paid in full. So this morning, let's just stand up. Just stand up. Believe. Call it by name. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. And if it is a child of yours who is not here, like those four men carried, carry your children to God. Don't worry about it. Somebody who does not believe in your family. doesn't matter. Carry that person to God in prayer. Stand up. And believe. First acknowledge. I got this issue Lord. Deliver me from this. That's a step. First step to solution. You acknowledge. Second thing. Like you are doing. Before God. Stand up. Stand up. I stand up. Third thing. Stop making excuses. Pick up your mat. Stop justifying. Stop blaming. The only question God asks is, do you want to be made whole? Don't tell me that one God before, this one didn't help me, that was the reason, that's last time I almost, but this one God, I don't want to hear any of those things. This is your hour. This is your time. The power of the Lord is present to heal. The question is, simple question is, do you believe? Do you believe? As simple as that. Do you believe? Do you believe? Whatever it is. Do you believe? An affliction of the soul? Affliction of the body? Do you believe? If you believe, let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord. We come to you through the blood of Jesus. We come through that new and living way you have made for us. The blood and the body of Christ. We look into your word. We believe. He paid the price. Our peace, because of him. Our healing, because of him. The price was paid in whole. It's as simple as that. As simple as that. All he asked the two blind men is, do you believe that I can do this? Nothing complicated here. Simple question asked to two men who were blind for years. Do you believe Jesus can do this? If you believe, God says, let it be unto you according to your faith. Father, I speak your healing into every person who're standing here, standing in their homes, whatever affliction is in their body or their soul. I speak healing and I speak deliverance. I command every unclean spirit to leave in Jesus name. If they need to forgive, I pray they will open their mouths. Wherever they are and just let go. Forgive. Let go. And I command the spirit that is tormenting them, the spirit of anxiety, worry, fear, anger, wrath, jealousy, whatever it is, and its manifestation in the body, I command both to leave in Jesus name. Be healed in Jesus name. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Here, everywhere, Lord. Let your people receive it in the simplicity of faith. God is good, God is able, and He longs for my deliverance. Have compassion on your people today, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. Come in the rest of the day into thy hands. As your people go, may your presence go with each one of us, O oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. 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 God bless you. Walk in your deliverance.